Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey, this is Mark Trichel with Flying Colors, part two on liquidity. I had such a great conversation with Todd Miller, a former capital market specialist, former director of special actions at NCUA, and also a member of my team, that I wanted to break it into two pieces because there's a lot of jam-packed information in both parts. And in this part, we're going to talk a little bit about the Federal Home Loan Bank and why Todd believes that they are one of the best liquidity sources out there based on the interactions that he had with them when he was at NCUA. Then we're going to provide some practical day-to-day advice for credit unions that will assist credit unions in dealing with NCUA. We'll talk a little bit about what credit unions should be doing relative to the regulations based on their asset size, etc. So, Enjoy this one. There's a lot of a uh, lot of meat on the bones of this part with Todd giving many many good recommendations. Lastly, before we start back up with part two, near the end you may hear a cat meow. That's not my cat, and technically it's not Todd's cat. It's a stray that is making its home temporarily with Todd. My guess is permanently with Todd. In any event, he decided or she decided the cat that he was going to do the stray cat strut and participate in the podcast. So if you hear that, that's what it is. All right, here we go. Federal Home Loan Bank and part two on liquidity with practical advice. All right, Federal Home Loan Bank. There have been some discussions and some things in the press about concept of tangible equity and what happens when a credit union has net negative tangible equity. But before we get into what's hit the press, Todd, if you could describe, the name reveals a lot, but what is negative tangible equity and how does a credit union find themselves near or in that situation? I'll go that. Can you just spare me a minute or two to just chat about the Federal Home Loan Bank in general? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, let's start there. The Federal Home Loan Bank and the role that they can play with credit unions and any thoughts relative to them and liquidity. In my years of dealing with troubled credit unions, I think I probably have the strongest relationships with the Federal Home Loan Bank. They're cooperative organizations. Those credit unions are members of them. Oftentimes, the Federal Home Loan Bank will They try really hard to not say no, and they put forth a lot of effort to extend credit credit to their members when the members need it, even when those members are having some financial challenges. Now, they have some statutory challenges behind them, but in all my years of dealing with troubled credit unions, I would rather deal with the Federal Home Loan Bank than even the corporates in many cases. They were always a go-to folks, and part of it, their capabilities to fund credit unions are often much greater than the corporates are. So even though the corporates would be willing to help, they don't really have enough money sometimes or or borrowing authority the way the FHLBs do. So I will say this, the FHLBs go above and beyond to try and meet the credit needs of their members, and they work very well with the regulators. Or My experience is that they've always been 
willing to work with NCUA and with the Trouble Credit Union. So that said, the FHLBs do have some regulatory limits on how they extend advances. Most of this is in CFR 1260. People can look it up themselves, but there's a couple of them that are significant. One is they're not to make advances to credit unions that are in troubled condition. They define it as regulatory capital. I guess they use the terminology inadequate capital is the terminology they use in their regs. And this is speaking to PCA regs. Historically, the FHLB, they're going to start calling in CUA and having discussions with us. And they're going to start hindering accrediting advances if that regulatory network starts getting in that 5%, 4% range. It's going to start making them nervous. The other piece of this is they also have a specific regulation that they will not lend to members that lack tangible capital. And they define tangible capital in their regulation. It's basically capital calculated according to generally accepted accounting principles minus intangible assets. So they take out goodwill and things of that nature that are on your balance sheet. I don't know how often this comes up in my 30 years with NCUA. It did come up twice. In those situations, the FHLB can continue to lend to those institutions for terms of up to 30 days, provided their regulator, their primary regulator insurer, asked the FHLB to do so. And They've done this in the past with me too, where they wanted the regional director, and I'm sure you've signed a few letters. They want the regional director to approve borrowing to this troubled credit union that either lacks intangible capital or just is regulatory deficient. I'll just say one thing when NCUA regional directors have to sign letters of this nature, there's typically strings attached. We'll work with credit unions, we'll try and help them out, but let's just be honest. If a credit union's intangible or tangible capital is less than zero, they have made some pretty significant mistakes when it comes to risk management. And so tangible negative equity. Generally, the way this will occur is if your unrealized losses on your investments that's are greater where I, than your okay. That's where I was going. And that's the environment we're in right now because- investments are not worth what people paid for them because rates went up and that's what is creating a potentially some situations that will trigger negative tangible equity tied to those and other pieces of it like the goodwill like you mentioned but it's this investment unrealized loss issue is a big part of it yes and like i said i happened twice in my 30-year career where i actually did see that situation i'll just say in both cases we made those cardians merge ultimately not necessarily ultimately. at that point in time but that the end whether that was x months or x plus 10 ended up not surviving let's say within six months they have okay a that's a good that's a good number <laughs> you got a good memory but go ahead one of those was before pca one of them was after pca PCA changes the equation a little bit on some of it. But still, either way, if you have no tangible equity as a credit union, you have made some risk management mistakes. And now, actually, I had one of these credit unions like this. We gave them non-cash assistance and they did survive and they're still there today. And that was even in the early 1990s. So it was 30 years ago. It's not always a closing them, but most of the time it is indicative 
of some risk management mistakes. And like I said before, if the FHLB wants that letter from the regional director, most of the time the regional directors will provide that letter, but credit union boards needs to know that there's going to be strings attached to that regional director signature. And we'll Got just kind of at that. That makes good sense. So we've talked a, a, talked a lot of history. We've talked a lot of trends. We've talked a lot about how you find yourself slowly finding yourself in the muck of a liquidity crisis potentially. And so listeners might be saying, okay, so what should I do? How do I keep myself out of these challenges? What are the best practices from an NCUA perspective or former NCUA perspective that credit unions should be doing relative to liquidity? What are they required to do, et cetera, et cetera? All right, Todd, the floor is yours. Okay, I have lots of advice along these lines. And some of this you're probably hearing from your examiner already or from your capital market specialist already. I believe liquidity risk was on the last supervisory priority list. I might be wrong. That was like in March or April when we discussed that. Whether or not it is, it's going to likely be on their next one. I think you're probably right. First off, I'll start out. NCUA has issued a lot of guidance on liquidity. They've issued a regulation on liquidity. First off, I as a credit union manager, it wouldn't hurt for the members of your ELCO or your management team to go back and just review all the stuff that NCUA is issued and maybe have a chat with their examiners about it. I have just a feeling through this whole period of COVID where the exams are offsite, the examiners are probably not having these discussions with management the way they would have if there would have been onsite exams. It's just a guess on my part, an educated guess on my part. So especially specific to NCUA's regulation for credit unions over 50 million, you need that contingency funding plan. Definitely go back and look at your contingency funding plan. I would pay very specific attention to some of your early warning indicators. Generally speaking, the issues that cause liquidity problems are when you see asset quality problems and declining capital. So within your early warning indicator credit unions, most people have credit risk management programs right now, really start paying attention. Are you having any deterioration in your FICO scores? What is going on with values of real estate in your local markets? You can look at Case Shiller. I know it's falling in a lot of places, some places a little bit, some places more. But really pay attention to all that type of stuff. Management processes, they need to have clear implementation and explanation for liquidity events. Take these small changes somewhat seriously. There's a lot of interagency guidance on liquidity risk management. Review all that. So go back and look at what the regulators are saying. Read their guidance. Now, the next piece is I'll give you some more practical day-to-day advice, irrespective of that guidance. First off, given all the conditions, this is a good time to just update your liquidity risk assessment and go discuss it with your board of directors. Let's be honest, what's happening with your share growth? What's happening with your liquidity strategies in the past? Um, Update your liquidity risk assessment. Share this with your board of directors. Let them know we're in unusual times and that you thought about it and what you might do it in the future. Other thing is go back and look at your liquidity monitoring systems. Are your cash flow forecasts accurate? Are they useful for decision making? 
has there been recent changes to prepayment speeds? What's happening with your share growth? Are you one of these credit unions having outflows or is your growth share growth really slowed down? And is that reflected in your liquidity forecasting tools? Start taking this seriously. I know a lot of places they build these cash flow forecasts and DFO or a treasury manager or some person is looking at them, but the larger management team is tending to not look at them. So it's this other person's job, let them handle it. Now let's elevate it. Maybe everyone take a little better look and understand what's going on with that. Assess your current liquidity strategies and limits. Are they appropriate? Given the amount of uncertainty, maybe it makes a little bit of sense right now to increase your on balance sheet liquidity. Make it a little bit higher than you've normally had it. Let's build a little cushion in there. Loan demand is probably slowing down with rising rates. You get a little bit better rate on this excess cash if it's in the Federal Reserve Bank or at your corporate. So it's not as costly to have some excess liquidity right now. Um, Go back and review all your sources of borrowings. Most credit unions are sitting there with lines of credit at their corporate with their FHLB. They may have other places as well, but it's time to go back and just kind of look at all those. Where is all your collateral at? Where do you have it pledged? How would you prioritize the use of that? What might happen to that collateral value? Go look at your NAV reports. A lot of places, the investments are already down 7 8%. So selling investments is not really a reasonable way to raise liquidity. Using investments for to borrow is, but you got to realize those haircuts are larger and you've lost a lot of value already and it could continue to go down. So manage where your collateral is pledged, prioritize its use. Just be aware of potential declining value, especially if rates keep going up. A lot of cardians don't do this. I would always do this as a capital market specialist. I'd just go see who had liens on the credit thing, which are your borrowers or filed liens and which haven't. And it's nice to know who's got priorities on your collateral in a lien filing situation. It might not change any of your decision making, but really as a management team, you should know who's filed liens on you, what priority they are, because it may change how you choose to borrow money. If you sell loans to non-agency purchasers, like you're selling participations, be that auto loans, commercial loans, have some conversations with their your typical buyer. Will they still commit to buy loans in the future? Do they have liquidity in the buying loans? During that last recession, I think a lot of credit that historically had sold loans on an ongoing basis kind of got caught flat-footed when their buyers stopped buying loans from them. So, you know, if you're one of those folks that are consistent sellers of loans, do have some conversations with buyers and be aware of what's going on with their liquidity position, just so you know whether that avenue is available to you in a crisis situation or not. Assess all your early warning indicators. NCUA, we put GAP equity on the FPR now. And I think that's a good thing for a lot of years. It wasn't there, but the reality is all your lenders out there, whether it's the corporate FHLB, if you've got reverse repos with other broker dealers out there, they're all looking at your gap equity. And that starts falling below 6%. You're going to end up on people's watch lists. So just be aware of that. Be aware of NCUA puts a camel four on you. That's going to hinder some of your liquidity options just by its very nature. People might not cut you off, but all of a sudden, instead of borrowing money for a year at a time, it might be 30 days at a time or a week at a time. 
they'll do things like that to mitigate their own risks. Other early warning indicators, you need to be on alert. FHLB will go through a whole collateral thing. They come in and they check your collateral periodically, but a warning indicator, if they tell you to segregate it in your own building, kind of your first warning, and then your second warning is they're going to tell you to ship all those own files to them. So... You the know, walls are closing in on them at this time. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, like I said, sometimes, you know, boards don't know about this. And we've gotten into trouble crediting situations where the FHLB has said, hey, send me all your loan files. And their board members don't even know that's occurred. Right. Uh, board members out there, warning signs and share growth slowing down. And you're borrowing a little bit more money. Board members, start asking your management team for some liquidity risk assessments. Sure. Pay attention to what's going on. And then the big thing is, I would call these desktop exercises. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to do something today, but really crediting management. Figure out how you would manage liquidity if you lose all access to wholesale funding. What are you going to do if you can't borrow from anyone and you can't sell assets? A lot of that comes down to how are you going to price things to control your loan demand? You have to assess how you're going to price your share products. A lot of times you have to come up with new products. Another big piece of that is are your expense levels under control? For smaller credits, maybe you talk to some other larger credits for a little bit more help. But through all of this, when it comes to this whole asset quality, whether it's an interest rate risk, stress through your ALM model or doing some stress tests just on the credit quality or your loan own loan portfolio, you need to take those results very seriously. I do think that there, every credit should probably have a renewed focus on their liquidity risk just because of all this uncertainty in the environment, the lack of share growth. We got inflation, we got rising interest rates, we got contentious political situations. And a lot of this will be local. You find in a lot of recessions, there are certain communities, states, counties that seem to just get hit harder than others. So a lot of this is local. Pay attention to what's going on in your local market. How are your members behaving? If you're going to start giving extensions out and things of that nature, let's track those folks. Make sure you have a handle on how many you're doing and be very open about it. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of layered risks out there that are just kind of building up right now. And they tend to display themselves in liquidity risk and in a reduction in available resources. And the saving grace today is... Loan quality is extremely good in our credit union still, and it's good in the banking system too. Both bank and credit unions, their charge-off ratios are running at about 0.3% right now, which is extremely low, much lower than it probably has been historically. And a lot of that is just due to all the government assistance that's been thrown out. But all the indicators are that it's not going to remain right that way in the future. Really pay attention to credit quality credits and really watch what's going on and how your FICO scores are migrating, how your collateral values may or may not be deteriorating in your local market. It's going to become an interesting couple of years. And a lot of it'll start with what happens tonight. I know there's going to be a lot of people talking about the election. I don't know when you're going to post the podcast, but it's election day when Mark and I are recording this podcast. Yes, it is. Yes. And in that vein, it's interesting, Todd. A couple of things, a lot of things come to mind here as we wrap this up. It's very clear the amount of knowledge that you have and wisdom that you're able to share here today as you're going through all this. I know that there's going to be some listeners who are listening to it going, I need to stop, re-listen to this, pause it, 
rewind it and write some of the things down. Some of the strategies you gave here are priceless for credit unions. So Todd, this was a bit longer than our normal podcast, but to do it right, it needed to be with what's happening in the economy, what's happening in the world. And like you said, what could be happening in the next couple of years, there are some challenges out there some icebergs that look small that you don't think you're going to hit credit union-wise, that these credit unions are going to be facing some challenges. A lot of great information here, Todd, and I really want to thank you for your time for putting such a thoughtful discussion together today on liquidity. It was hard to keep it this short because it would have been very easy to give actual real-life examples of all the things we talked about, you were the agent for the conservator at Westcore. That's almost a whole podcast in itself of what had to go through in terms of government assistance and what NCUA did to keep liquidity in the system with that. So this could have been a very much longer. I tried to constrain myself and not give actual examples or it would have been a lot longer. But everything that we discussed here today are... You and I have went through real life examples of every one of these multiple times. Yes. Yes. So. That's great. Great point. And yeah, that West Core and US Central each could be a liquidity podcast on its own. Maybe we'll save that for 2023 and beyond. But this was great, Todd. I really appreciate your time. And listeners, I want to thank you. And I appreciate you listening to this episode. I hope you'll be back again soon. And this is Mark Trichel signing off with Flying color. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktrichel.com. 